Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw. Welcome back to the Vibe Show. And today is a really fun one for me because I have interviewed the original Green Smoothie Girl. That would be my older daughter, Emma. She was actually uh, the photo on the homepage when Green Smoothie Girl went live um, well over 13 years ago. So she's my second child. And in the interview, I asked her about her weird upbringing and what she learned and what was different growing up Green Smoothie Girl compared to what life was like for her friends and how her perspective maybe has changed now that she is a full-grown adult. She's going to be 25 this summer. Um, Might seem a little self-serving that I interviewed her because she was always the most compliant in terms of the health stuff. She ate everything you put in front of her. Like I put steamed broccoli in front of her as a nine month old and she would just keep eating as long as you had it in front of her and you never had to talk her into it. She, she didn't have any unhealthy attitudes towards food. She doesn't really have a big, you know, tendency towards overeating. Um, you know, she would eat whatever you put in front of her and then whatever, when you took it away, she was perfectly happy with that too. She was just happy to eat really. She never rejected a vegetable, never rejected a really hardcore green smoothie. So it was really nice to have one really non-picky eater. Actually, both of my two oldest children pretty much ate uh, what I fed them, which made it really hard when the third and fourth came along because I was like, wait, I, I thought I was doing this right, you know? So um, we'll we'll dive into this with Emma. I asked her about everything from what it was like to eat a lot weirder foods than everybody else. There were um, a couple years there in the very beginning when I discovered green smoothies. I sent a pint of green smoothie a day to school with my kids and they went to a charter school But that all ended when I went upstairs to my younger daughter, not the one I'm about to interview. I went up and found in this treasure chest she had in her closet, which explained why I couldn't find any pint jars. I found 13 uh, rotten green smoothies. So I realized that maybe I'll just make the green smoothie and they have to have it when they come home before they play, before they do their homework. So that's when I did that. But, you know, obviously both of my daughters had sort of opposite reactions. (laughs) to the fact that I was trying to feed them a whole foods diet. And, you know, when, when we went on wife swap, or if if you talk to my daughter, you might think that everything we did was really weird. I actually think that we probably blended in fairly well to the scenery at, you know, the soccer field or the church barbecue or whatever. Um, There were just some things that were slightly different. And I really tried to pick my battles. You know, there's a lot of things that other parents chose as battles that I didn't. So today, you get the perspective of my daughter, Emma Openshaw Pay. So welcome to the Vibe Show, Emma Openshaw Pay. Hey, excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's just get right into it. What's your deal with green smoothies? Why don't you like them? Um, It's not that I don't like green smoothies. Uh, I just really like eating food, all types of food. And so drinking a green smoothie every day means I get one less meal and I'd rather just eat a big salad. So, so you want to chew it. Yeah, I want to eat it. Okay. So this it's is experience. what everybody who knows you knows this about you, but I don't think you're like one of those loud vegetarians. You know that joke? How can you tell someone's a vegetarian? Don't worry, they'll tell you. But I don't think that's really you, but maybe like a long time ago. So you haven't eaten an animal product in, I think it's thir- 
13 years. Well, animal flesh, because you, you haven't gone all the way to vegan. You haven't eaten any animals in 13 years. Tell about what happened when you were 11 um, that caused you to make that choice. Uh, yeah, I read a book uh, that you actually challenged me to read. Can I say the name of the book? Yeah. Um, it's called Chew on This. And it was about the fast food it's, industry. It's by Eric Schlossinger and highly recommend. I've recommended a lot of people get their kids to read it, but I never read it. But you, you should tell about our book rewards points, too. But go ahead. Uh, You know, I don't really remember what the prize was or anything, but it was just a book that you challenged me to read. I know there was some kind of reward and it was about the fast food industry, but I just was really upset about reading how animals were killed in factory farms and I was a very cause-oriented kid. So yeah, now I'm not like really preachy about being vegetarian. I kind of let people make their own choices, but I definitely went through a phase like right after I turned vegetarian where I was like a missionary for the church of vegetarianism (laughs) and uh, I was always trying to get people to go vegetarian. So yeah, so we had this um, book reading contest every summer, and you could like earn a healthy popsicle at the health food store, and I would take you guys there once a week. And we went to the library, and you guys would leave with like just an arm full of books, which is how I was raised, raised too. And I, I'm a big fan of having a library card and checking out books from the library, old school, and spending two hours in the middle of the day uh, reading books. That's how I was raised. And I think it's why I can consume a lot of information and I are, you know, more articulate about what I've read is just, I did so much of it. And, um, just so you remember, cause I, I don't know if you remember this, but the deal was you got a certain number of points per page for reading any book you want, but you got double points if you read a book I chose. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what that one was. So. Yeah, so originally I went vegetarian because I just felt bad for the animals, but I've stuck with it for 13 years just because there's so many reasons not to eat meat and not really a lot of compelling reasons to eat meat. So like the environmental reasons right now are the biggest reason why I've stuck with it. Uh, Being raised in a house where we were eating mostly plant food helped as well. So there's a lot of health benefits to it that I was lucky to know about. And lucky to have parents who supported me being vegetarian or one parent in particular. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that your other parent was necessarily always super supportive. Um, Not not after the divorce anyway. And we might, this might turn into a two-part series here. Because I asked Emma when we were talking about this, how would you feel if we talk about divorce? And we talk about, you know, what that was like from your perspective and what you would tell parents. So we might get into that too in a little bit, but we've talked about many times how the way you were raised is really different than a lot of kids. You went to a charter school, you wore a uniform till you were, I mean, I think eighth, ninth grade, something like that. Why don't you talk a little about what you noticed that I was doing as your mom or what our family was doing that was different than everybody else. And how'd you, you know, just whatever comes to mind, how'd you feel about it back then? And do you feel any differently about it now? Yeah, the big thing was food, obviously. Like, I I always noticed that I was eating different foods than what my friends were. Um, I never really remember being embarrassed about it, but kids would ask me about the food I was eating, whether it was, like, a a green smoothie or something that they hadn't seen before, and they were always curious and wanted to try it. So, for me, it was more of, like, a fun thing to share with people because my friends hadn't seen a lot of the food I was eating, and they were always curious to try it. Um, 
So green smoothies. I shared a lot of green smoothies with people. I used to have friends come over for sleepovers and my mom would make homemade granola with like oats and molasses and pumpkin seeds and uh, just healthy food. And my friends always wanted to try it and we had goat milk with it. So I would just like give it to them to see how they responded. And some of them who, who were raised eating like sugar cereal every day, like standard American diet, they didn't like it. And I thought it was funny, but a lot of the kids actually, even if they were eating a different diet, they really liked eating healthy food. So it was interesting to see that. I think we also, all of my siblings got to see a lot of entrepreneurialism and my mom tried to teach us those skills as well. So when I was a kid, I used to go in the backyard and pick cherries out of the tree and we would wash them and sell those door to door. And then as I got older, we were making cookie mixes during Christmas time and selling those. We should say what those are. They're like a pretty famous green smoothie girl recipe and it has different like uh, variations. And so we would put them in a coffee, a paper coffee bag, the mix, but you guys would go around and pre-sell them. And you were, what were you, the director of sales? And somebody was a director of operations and we had to plan like how many pounds of wheat we were going to get and grind and and the non-aluminum baking powder and all that stuff. And then we in a whole Saturday, the whole family, us and then another small family that we invited to play. Um, we put all the cookie mixes together and delivered them. And you guys, I don't know if you know how much you made. Do you remember? I don't know. Yeah, you guys made $5,000 just going door to door and saying, hey, you know, my mom makes the, these amazing healthy cookie mixes, right? There's no processed food in them. So yeah, so you guys had that experience. That was a lot of work for me, but um, it was a, it was positive for you. Like, what'd you get from that? Yeah, it was a positive experience. Just learning uh, the whole process of like sales and um, kind of starting a business. It was like a little mini business that we started and I got to see it from start to finish. So that's an experience that not a lot of people get to have. Um but yeah, actually, I still do sales. I'm still in sales and I still do door-to-door sales. So I... Well, you you were like, you would sell anything if I let you. Like, you, it got to a point when you were probably like seven or eight that I'd be like, you're embarrassing me. Stop going door-to-door selling people random pancakes or whatever <laughs> you could come up with. You would like round up your friends or your sister and you would just be like, mom, I'm going to go sell this. And I'm like, no, you're not. But um, tell about the magnets. Remember, it was during the war. Yeah, we sold we sold uh, support our troops magnets. Um, I just we sold a lot of things door to door. And then when I was in high school, I had an idea with one of my friends just stemming off of that, that we did uh, summer cooking camps. So we went door to door and got kids to sign on to do a summer cooking camp and then took it a step further after that. My mom fortunately has an audience with people who like to eat healthy. So we did like healthy summer cooking camps and she actually promoted it to some people in our area. So we had a little business doing that as well. Okay. So entrepreneurialism, we ate really weird stuff and you were probably my most compliant child. And you're kind of like, yeah, we're different, but you weren't super embarrassed by that. What do you think it is about you that makes you not embarrassed to be different? Because I think if I interviewed one of your siblings, they might've been like, oh my gosh, I was mortified when my friends came over kind of thing. Um, why I am not afraid, afraid to be different. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I was vegetarian. I think that's something that made me different early on. Cause I went vegetarian when I was 11 and then maybe, I don't know if that's because of food, but I don't know. I just, I just didn't 
didn't care. It was kind of how you how you came into the world. You didn't mind being different. Yeah. Just always a little odd. Yeah, no. just the weird the weird kid in the in the class in the family. All right, so wife swap, and probably some of my listeners have listened to the episode I did where I talked about my experience on the wife swap show, but they really honed in on um, the essay writing. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, I didn't love writing essays when I was doing it, but it taught me to be a really good writer, and I think that's something that I definitely want to do when I have my own kids. So it opened like it made me a really good communicator um it made me like have to think through my consequence rather than just like go into my room like I had to think through what I did and why it was bad and why I shouldn't do that and so yeah it gave me good like I think like critical thinking skills and also writing skills for the rest of my life like all through college I was a good writer my professors were always impressed by my writing one of my professors like offered me a job writing for this school newspaper. So I was a reporter in college without really even looking for it. Um, and just I think writing's a really good skill that that was just like built into our childhood to become a good writer. So, yeah, so I made them write uh, a five paragraph essay with an introduction and a conclusion and three supporting paragraphs. Did you did I ever reject your essays or? Uh, yeah, probably. I also, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever admitted this to you, but I kind of learned how to hack the system too a couple times <laughs> when we had to do, we'd either have to do like apology notes or essays. So sometimes I would like get my sister to fake cry and tell my mom that I wrote her a really personal apology note that she couldn't read to me, but <laughs> we found a few ways around it, but I did write a lot of essays, so. Did you write some apology letters? Can you think of like something that you did to one of your siblings that I felt was really unkind and warranted you doing a little writing project? Because oh. I have a whole drawer somewhere. Somewhere I have a whole drawer of you guys' essays, and I haven't seen it in years. I've moved several times, but I have gotten it out and just laughed my butt off reading them. Yeah, you would think that because I had to like think through and write an essay about it that I would remember what I did wrong, but uh, no, I don't remember. <laughs> I was a good kid. What can I say? <laughs> you actually were a good kid. Um, you know, it's like I always say about you that, you know, you didn't really cause a lot of problems when you were a little kid. You're pretty easygoing. I wouldn't say you're super compliant, but when you dug in your heels, it would take literally three grown men to pry you off of whatever you and you know, probably I could count on one hand the times you did that. But um, I told you about when you were at preschool and I didn't show up to pick you up. I'd send, sent somebody from the carpool and another woman came to pick you up and she brought you up to the door and she was literally sweating. She was sweating and red in the face. And she said that she and the preschool teacher and another adult had to pry you off of whatever because she was like, no, uh -uh, no, my mom is picking me up, not you. Um, yeah, I, I, you know what, I think the default thing to do, and a lot of parents do this one, and my mom did it, but I just thought it was really uncreative, and that's how it morphed into essays, is um, writing sentences. Do you remember any sentence you had to write a hundred times? Yeah, I think we started with that. Yeah, it was like, um, I will not lie to my mom, or I will not be unkind to my brother, right? Yeah. Something like that. Oh, I do remember one essay I had to write because I, I don't know, I don't know if we want to talk about this, but I, uh, well, hey, this is your fault too, like <laughs> sparking that entrepreneurial spirit in me. Like I, I started a little business inside my family where I made paper dolls for my younger siblings to get them to write 
or to do my chores for me. <laughs> and uh, then it just, it got a little out of hand. They weren't allowed to make their own paper dolls. And I had this monopoly on the paper doll business in the house. And they were just like fighting over who could do my chores for me. And uh, eventually you had to shut down the monopoly. And I think I had to write an essay for c- controlling my siblings. <laughs> being controlling yeah you have to watch you have to watch those older ones you know are they leaders or are they little tyrants (laughs) but they it was a win-win they wanted the dolls and I was providing a service to them and they were providing a service to me like I don't really I don't see a problem with where did they get the money (laughs) there was no money there was a point system for them doing my chores and being my little minions (laughs) I, I don't I don't think I have a problem with that I think that's really quite ingenious so let's say you have babies someday what kinds of things would you come to me for, for advice or help? And this might be useful to other mothers listening to this who have millennial children. Like what, what kinds of things do you want me to help you with? Do you want me to give you advice on what kinds of things would you come to me for? And what things would you be like, Hey, back off mom. I got this. Um, probably the same things I come to you now for just like, uh, you're a wealth of knowledge and like health and food and, you know, maybe if I like took my kid to a doctor because he was sick and the doctor wanted to give him an antibiotic or something, like calling you to see what my other options were, um, things like that. I mean, I, I call you now when I have friends. I have friends who know that I care about eating healthy just because I eat healthy because that's the way I, I learned. And they'll ask me questions about what they should be eating and I don't know so I just call you so uh, I'll get random texts like mom what's bad about whey protein again yeah that's a recent one um but yeah probably the same type of thing how do you think your experience growing up green smoothie girl was different than your siblings because you know you you know you guys may had have had the exact same experience but you have different lenses that you look at things from so we're I mean we're just interviewing you and not the three others what do you think's different about how you see things and how they would see it um I never really fought you on what what we were eating Uh, I wasn't picky and I just like food so I just ate whatever you gave me but my other siblings did kind of rebel and they didn't want to eat the healthy food and it's interesting to see like when they became adults if they had health problems or if they gained weight, a lot of them like ended up go, even if they like rebelled against it initially, once they left the house, they've pretty much all like gone back to eating the same way that we were raised since then. So I actually got to see my youngest sibling. He moved it. He, when he moved out in high school, he moved in with me for a few months to do a job during the summer. And the first time we went to the grocery store, he bought like a bunch of junk food And he was just like excited to be out on his own and buying whatever he wanted to and eating whatever he wanted to. And he got like really bad skin problems and he uh, just wasn't feeling good. He didn't have energy. Uh, And just over the course of like a month, completely switched back to exactly the way that he was, we were eating in your house. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be the biggest. We've seen both your brothers do that and your sister as well. And I think, you know, for some reason with nutrition and I'm no different, we have to learn the lesson 2000 times, not just once. 
you know, oh yeah, I feel like crap when I eat dairy products. Oh yeah. And that same brother you're talking about, Tennyson, who lived with you for a summer and you watched him go, oh yeah, well I have my freedom and I bought all this garbage food, but I also feel like garbage. Now I'll just go back and, and you know, he gets green juice every day and, mm-hmm. and he still does. You know, I can't say that he eats healthy all the time because he eats those Takis. I didn't know what Takis were. <laughs> and I was like, that's not a, that's not a color that any food should be. I don't know what it is, but it's terrible. They're terrible. They're full of MSG. But, you know, he'll also drink a pint or two pints of green juice a day and his girlfriend will make it for him. They have a juicer, so... Yeah, that's the, I have a lot of friends. It's interesting to see, um, like, just we were raised, like, being conscious of what we were eating. Um, And one of the rules that we had was, like, you have to eat a fruit and a vegetable with every meal. And I still, every time I have a meal, like, it doesn't feel complete unless I have a fruit and a vegetable with each meal. And it's interesting to see, like, my friends who just weren't raised to think about what they were eating. And so they just eat whatever and so i i eat junk food too i've had a bag of takis here and there but like my core foods that i eat are healthy foods because that's what we were raised eating yeah and i I, you know i've always said to my kids emma's heard me say this listen my job was the first 18 years my job was to make sure that you build healthy bones tissues organs and mind and what you do from here, what you, how you eat when you leave my house at 18, you know, that's totally on you. But now you know what it feels like to feel good. You know, now I, I did my job and, and I watched my children cycle through those phases of, oh, we ate a bunch of garbage. Now, at least we know what to do. At least they know what to do. And mm-hmm. At least they know what to come back to. Right. So um, tell us about Wife Swap. What was it like for you? You know, what was fun about it? What was stressful about it? When when you saw the final product, were you surprised about anything? You were a celebrity, weren't you? Yeah. Wipeswap was fun. It was like a vacation from the structure. So we had a bunch of junk food. Basically didn't go to school for a week. Um, I was like getting checked out of school to like get my nails done. Had a huge party at my house where all my friends came over. Um But I think like once the week was over, we were all pretty relieved to like go back to the structure and we kind of like appreciated it. So it was fun, but it was just like a vacation. Um, But yeah, like I all my all my classmates knew I was on Wife Swap and uh, they all were like watching it and talking about it after it came out. So it was really fun. It was a good experience. You going to make your kids if you have them, are they going to eat chicken and beef and seafood and pork and stuff you're gonna make it for him i don't even know how i've never i've never cooked that in my (laughs) life i was vegetarian when i was 11 years old so i mean i don't think that like i think i'll teach them the reasons why i'm vegetarian and let them choose but i'm not cooking that for them maybe their dad can cook that you know what that is what i told your dad i said i wasn't raised like my mother's never touched a steak in her life that i've seen I don't know how to do that. If you want to do that, you didn't. John, now he, I don't know if you've seen him, but he'll like make his own steak. But, yeah. you know, don't ask me to do that. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Actually, even the people who I date now, like if they're not vegetarian, which most of them aren't, it's usually like in the beginning of the relationship, they're like worried about it. And like, you know, one of my boyfriends said like that he was going to convert me to, to not be vegetarian. Um, but I'll end up like, 
showing them the food that I eat and they start trying it and then they all kind of like warm up to the idea of being vegetarian and like eat a more plant-based diet because they see that the food that I'm eating is actually really good. So it might be the same when I get married and have kids. We'll see. Yeah. I think that, you know, we always have to remind ourselves that incremental improvement is improvement, right? Like someone doesn't have to be a vegetarian or a vegan. They don't have to wear those labels to eat healthier. I mean, I think if you talk to John, he thinks he's eating a plant-based diet. Now to me, he's just eating, you know, he's mixing in a green smoothie and he's really embraced eating a lot more plant foods. And he feels amazing compared to when we first got together. And I was like, dude, all you eat is processed food and meat. Um, and he hasn't given up meat and I don't, I don't bully him about it. And you've, you've had that same path, right? Like what happened when you were dogmatic with people and now how are, are you with people about your lifestyle? Yeah. When I was a kid, like when I was in middle school, I was, didn't you get up on a table once? Yeah. (laughs) I just, I was reading all these books about it and I was watching these like horrific videos about factory farming and just slaughterhouses. And so I was super passionate about it and I wanted everyone to be vegetarian. So uh, like in school, I would like lecture my kids, my friends, not my kids during uh, lunch about like why they shouldn't be eating the ham sandwich that their mom packed them and what it took like to get to where like whatever, like all the the problems, like just telling them how the animals were getting slaughtered. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know why I had friends. Like (laughs) It was pretty graphic images while they're just trying to enjoy their their meals. Thanksgiving, I would like wear all black and like repeat all these statistics about how many turkeys were dying. But nobody was nobody was wanted to be vegetarian like <laughs> I uh yeah you actually aggressive. said to me about a year or two after that you said to me you know what mom you're not even a vegetarian because you know like eat I might eat an animal product twice a month and you're like you're not even a vegetarian but people are going vegetarian because of you and I was like yeah why do you think that is yeah yeah so that wasn't working for me so I toned it down a bit and I actually get a lot of people asking me about it now um and I don't know if that's just because people are more open to it. Like we see it a lot more in like the mainstream being vegan and vegetarian. But um, I don't typically bring it up with people unless they ask me about it. But recently someone asked me like, so are you mad that it's like trendy to be vegan now because you're not like unique anymore? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, you should have seen me when I was 12 standing on a table. Like this is what I wanted. <laughs> Oh, super funny. Okay. So let's ask you a harder question. Now that you're all warmed up, let's talk about your parents' divorce. You, um, you went through that. We all went through that when you had just turned 13. And in my opinion of my four children, you took it the hardest in the beginning. And, you know, luckily you turned out great. You never really had like this terrible phase. You didn't do drugs or act out promiscuously. You didn't even get bad grades, but You were very, very mad at me for that decision I made. Do you want to say anything about what that experience was like looking back? Because now we, you know, the emotions drained out of it. And, and especially like, think about for divorced parents like me, because there are a lot of us, you know, like half of us really, or those who are getting divorced. I'm thinking about listeners of this show who, who didn't stay married, but really, really desperately wanted their kids to not pay a heavy price for that. What would you tell those parents about your experience and what they think? what you think they could do yeah I was really angry when I first found out about the divorce hopefully I can say this but um the way that I found out was 
I was in my mom's office and I didn't usually snoop through her emails, but I saw that she got an email from a church leader and I had been like really naughty in church the the week before. So I was like, oh no, like I'm going to get in trouble. He's emailing my mom to say that I was bad in church. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So I saw this email just as I was like in your office and I opened it and read through the email and that's how I found out my parents were getting divorced. It was me telling the church leader, I'm sorry, I'm going to get a divorce just so you know. Yeah. So from my perspective at that age, I saw that you were the one who wanted the divorce and I just perceived that my dad didn't want the divorce. So I just totally blamed you for it and wanted to like prove to you that you wouldn't be okay without my dad and that it was a bad decision. So I acted out and I kind of got all my siblings to like choose sides and try to choose my dad. Um, I even like at one point had the plan to like set booby traps in the house and like break things because my dad was always the one who would like fix things. And I wanted to show you that like you would you needed him to fix these things. But uh, yeah, you just ended up hiring a handyman so (laughs) plan kind of backfired on me um but because I like acted out and I was very vocal about um like how I wasn't happy about it uh I got over it faster than anyone else and some of my siblings who weren't talking about it and who kind of buried those emotions like they've had longer lasting resentment and just or issues relating to it so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm sorry <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> for making your life hard, but at least we like made up and we're good now. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm sorry that uh, you had to go through your parents' divorce as you turned 13 years old, really tender age, and you want to be thinking about friends and what you're wearing to school, not not my parents are going to live in two different houses and what's that going to be like. So Not booby-trapping the house and breaking your belongings. <laughs> yeah, I think there was you, and it was Libby, your sister actually ratted you out. Yeah, she was supposed to be my partner in crime, but she she betrayed me. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things she told me is that you would, when you were do- unloading the dishwasher, that you'd put jars in the cupboard right on the very edge so that if I o- opened the cabinet, that they would fall out and break. That was your plan. Stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very well thought out. Yeah. I don't think he would have even. Yeah. But, I, but what I hear you saying is if your kids are talking to you, even if the words are angry... And they're resentful. Maybe see that as a good thing. Is that one of the things I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Yeah. Get them to talk about it. I think everyone was struggling with it, even though it seemed like I was struggling with it the most. We all were. And I just had an outlet for it. Yeah. And I'm glad you did speak up about it. And you were the one that I, you know, you kind of got the focus and you had never been the kid who draws all the attention. You had never been that. But then in the divorce, I was like, what in the heck? What it's M, you know, and you said to me, I don't know if you remember this, but you said to me, I had a perfect life and you just destroyed it. And you did. Like, you had really never been through anything hard. You were pretty. You were well liked. You always had lots of friends. You had a really fun personality. You're a good student. You're a good athlete. And then all of a sudden, kablam, you turn 13. And that you, you kind of mark time to this day. At the age of 24, you kind of mark time before the divorce and after the divorce, don't you? Yeah, I also found out like two days before starting at a new school. So there was that. I didn't have friends that year. 
I didn't, I had a harder time making friends for the first couple months while I was also like going through the divorce. So there were a few things going on, but yeah, that's a lot. Well now, um, you know, and really since then you've, you've really become quite a humanitarian and you're an activist in so many different ways. I think you've gone on three or four different humanitarian trips to other countries. And you can talk about that a bit if you want, like for the parents who might be listening, like what uh, would you gain from that? Um, you even raised the money for some of them. You paid for that trip to Thailand completely by yourself. I had nothing to do with that. I think that you set up with your university and even got internship credit for it. And I feel like those things really changed you. The first one is when I took you to Peru with some Green Smoothie Girl followers and we worked in an orphanage. In fact, you had insisted on studying French. And then we got there and I was joking around with the kids and they would call me Shakira and I would get to talk to them. And you were so jealous that I could talk to them, even though my Spanish wasn't even that great. But um, and you came back and you're like, that's it. I'm speaking Spanish instead of instead of French. But something really took root in you when we were in Peru. And to this day, I feel like very much defines you. You're this cause oriented person kind of rose up from that first that first experience. So talk about that. Like, what did you get from that? What would you recommend parents do to create those kind of situations? Let's see, you've been to Africa, Thailand, Peru, and and you didn't, I mean, if people think, oh, this is just like a privileged kid and, you know, you know, mommy sent her on these trips. I didn't, I didn't pay for a dime of, of uh, some of those. And you raised money. You were literally out pounding the pavement, asking people at their door for money and buying stuff and taking suitcases full of stuff that you raised all that money. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was a really like pivotal experience for me. Um, I think it defined a lot of things about myself for a long time, not just because we went on the trip, but like you said, before we went on the trip, um, I went door to door and raised money for these kids. I like, I was so excited about meeting them that I like memorized all of their names. And then just like being able to see how people live, people my age live in another country. It made me want to be a humanitarian. And that was like one of the first career goals I've ever had. Like for a long time, I just said that when I grew up, I wanted to be a humanitarian. And as I've like had other interests um, throughout my life, I've still like stayed, like I made a commitment to myself to be a humanitarian and to serve. So for the rest of my life, like when I'm not involved in something where I'm giving back, that's like some, like a source of joy for me. Like I am a very cause oriented person. And so I like kind of am accountable to that little like 12 year old version of myself who like promised to be a humanitarian. And so it's evolved a lot in like what causes I'm in, uh, involved with, but I, I wonder if I would have had that interest if I didn't have that experience at that age. And that's something like that trip and a lot of trips that we went on. Um, I think being the way that you raised us was to value experiences like that more than like gifts or like material possessions. And that's also something that is a big part of who I am. Um, I don't know if that one specifically was like a, a, gift that you gave us but a lot of times for birthdays or for Christmas um, rather than getting gifts we would go on a trip together as a family um, and travel so it made me like to this day I don't really care very much about like you taught us not to care about the things that we own 
and to care more about experiences. So even when I was in college um, and since then, since I've moved out of your house, I travel a lot. I want to experience other cultures. Like when I'm traveling, I'm doing service or I'm trying to like understand a culture. I'm going deeper than just like staying in a resort, you know? And I think that's because we were raised to value those types of experiences because of the because of the opportunities that you gave us going to Peru, going to Europe, things like that. So you can say that we we're spoiled, but you know, there were other kids who were getting smartphones and you know, like cars. all the new yeah, cars. I never got a car from you. I bought my first car when I was like in college. I got a bicycle when I turned 16 and I loved that bicycle. And I, and I said no when you asked me for money sometimes even when you're kind of hard up. Yeah. Not not always. Like if I felt like it was within what I had agreed to, I would, but I one time told you no about some money that and you were pretty upset about it. Yeah. But yeah. Know. I didn't get a smartphone until I was in college, till I had moved out. Um so things were not yeah, things were not important to us. Well, and you're a real conservationist. Like um, something people should know about you is that you don't like buying new clothes. Mm-hmm. And so you shop at, you know, secondhand stores and n- not being a consumer and having a big carbon footprint is a big deal to you. So talk about that because you are a very, very typical millennial in the sense that you don't really like how your parents and grandparents are running things mm-hmm. and you have a different, different um you know, vision for how you want the world to go from here on out. Talk about what that vision is. Yeah, I just, uh, I am very conscious. Like one of my big causes is just being a conscious consumer and being aware of the consequences of things that I buy. So for clothing, for example, um, just the impact of fast fashion on, uh, it, it's a, pollutes water, you know, or if they're using child labor or, um, whatever. So anything that I buy, I usually like research the company that made it. (laughs) Um, so I go a little extreme, but I'm just, I, I would rather have less belongings, um, and have a smaller impact on the environment. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I care a lot about being a conscious consumer, being, Uh, living a sustainable, low-waste lifestyle. And just like you talked about, like, my generation gets a lot of hate from older generations because, you know, we don't, like, we're we're not as focused on our careers. We're not as focused on um, getting married and having kids and, like, following this script that your generation followed. But we're also the generation that's taking on climate change and that's creating equality and celebrating diversity um, and taking on more of these causes and just being more educated about different cultures and being more connected. So we'll see how that pans out. We, we're lucky to be able to enjoy that because you guys built this world where we have a good economy and we don't have to worry about job security and things like that. So, but I think we have a lot to offer the world as well. Well, I agree. And this has been very fun for me, Emma. And 
one of the most fun interviews I've done, actually. And I haven't been like on either side of the microphone with anyone um, before. Usually they're online. So I've really enjoyed this. Um, if one of my followers or their adult child wants to follow you, where would they find you? To follow me? Um, you can find me on Facebook at Emma Pay or Instagram, Emma underscore P-A-Y-Y. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. All right. The original <laughs> green smoothie girl, Emma Pay. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs>